Welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. My name is Trevor Bohm and I will be your host. Every week or so, I try to get myself a fascinating human on the mic for you, someone who looks at the civilized world just like you do and says no thank you. Someone who wants to break some rules, to lead, and to bring their unique vision into the world. Someone for whom the status quo simply will not do. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I do. Please dive in. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. This is Traver Bohm, your host. And I want to let you know that things in Evergreen are heating up a little bit out here. Uh, I just looked out my window and saw a fox and talked to my neighbors who said that the fox is scoping out a new den and they want to have pups in the new den. And two years ago, what the foxes did was train their pups how to hunt in my yard. Now I'm telling you all this because if there's like a month long gap in between episodes, it's because I've literally passed out from watching baby foxes learn to hunt in my yard and I'm not wired to handle that much fucking cuteness. Okay, now moving on. Today's guest is a good buddy of mine named G.S. Youngblood. He's the author of the book, The Masculine in Relationship. And GS and I went back and forth and back and forth trying to get this interview set up for almost a year. We're two pretty busy guys, but we finally did sit down and, and I love this conversation. I love it for so many reasons. One, relationship is hard. All right. I don't care what Instagram says. I don't care what Mark Grove's memes say. Insta relationships are just hard. And being a guy in relationship is often very challenging because it's not our natural skill set. If relationships just required like deadlifting and eating raw meat and doing pull-ups and being awesome, we would thrive in relationships. But they require listening and holding space and being skillful and being attuned and some other really hard things that just don't really come naturally to us men. So if you are a guy, like sit down and give this one a solid listen. And if you are a woman, listen from the standpoint perhaps of your man who may not know this information. GS is a powerful force. Like I love him because he's, and I'm just going to say this, a little bit loaded and some people may get upset. He's one of the few men's writers who actually writes for men. Okay, it's out there. I said it. He's one of the few men's writers who's not just trying to pander to the feminine or get laid or take care of his mommy issues through writing. He writes for men. And so everything in this conversation is directed to men and is going to be wildly valuable for men. So without further ado, let's listen to G.S. Youngblood. G.S. Youngblood, welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. Brother, this has been a long time coming. Yeah. I think we were chatting, what, like almost a year ago. I'd say it's about a year, yeah. Yeah, like a whole pandemic got in the way, but I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming <clears> in. Uh, I have a number of people who are, are connected to you, and a number of people have been saying, like, you, you got to get him on. You got to get him on. He talks about men in relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, brother, I'll tell you, as in, in my membership group, we have segmented like subgroups mm -hmm. and the relationship group is the most active yeah i thought it would be yeah. the business and finance or the sexuality like if you had asked me you know six months ago which will it be it would yeah. not be the relationship group but it yeah, is 
You know, Traver, I am not surprised. And, you know, men have lots of challenges in our life. Obviously, we all know that here. None of them, in my humble opinion, none of them really compare to how they can really just cut us off at the knees or lift us up like gods, you know, more than relationship, intimate relationship can. So I'm I'm absolutely not surprised that that's the most yeah. active one. That's where guys are most challenged. Right. I think that's where we feel our most regress because that's the place that touches our wounds. You know, work generally doesn't touch our wounds, but but the way that your woman is moving towards you or away from you, man, it's just got a hold over a lot of us. Mm. And uh, and you know, that's what I'm trying to help men do and good, good. go into that space more skillfully. Yeah, I remember reading a stat that eight out of 10 male suicides come after a breakup or a divorce mm -hmm. and yeah. put something up last maybe two years ago on social media about, hey, here's a way we can be better in relationship so that we don't end up killing ourselves. And a bunch of guys are like, this is bullshit. You're just a, a fucking white knight. You're just trying to pander to the feminine. And all I had said was, yeah. like, you may want to have a basic understanding of your emotions. That's yeah. it. Like that's, yeah. that's my, my gift to yeah. you that, yeah. well, can you, can I'd you, love, yeah, please. I'm oh, sorry. Please. Go ahead. I was just going to ask for people who don't know who you are. Would you mind giving us like a little bit of a, a background on what got you to where you're doing what you are today? Yeah, I'll be happy to. I would love to comment on what you just said first, because I do think please, it's please, really please. important. So we'll, we'll, yeah. Before I even introduce myself, it is, this is a tricky space because, you know, on one end, you've got the, the, uh, the, the, the men who kind of, they're like the male apologists, you know, and they want to be so much more new age and, and, and better for women, you know, and it's really, it's, it's hard to see, but there is that pull. And then there's the total red pill, alpha male, you know, right. them, no. I'm, I'm in charge here, you know? Yep. And I think both of those, we all understand are, are not exactly successful and they're not relational. Mm -hmm. So it's there, you know, it's this space in between where how can I be in my power and how can she be, you know, I can still respect her capability and power. And how can I come from that place and lead the relationship in a way that kind of works with a woman who's capable? Like that's where I'm really focused is men who are with strong, capable women who are not mm -hmm. going to be pushovers. So I get a little of that, like, oh, you're just pandering to the women. And here's what I say. I say, men, stop doing what doesn't work, you know, mm -hmm. and, and trying to steamroll your woman. Honestly, guys, does that really work? Because right. that's different than having healthy boundaries and, and standing in your own power. That's very different. Yeah. Yet I still hear that, uh, that, that talk out there from some guys who kind of want to roll the tape back to the 1950s. In fact, I've got, I've got an Amazon review. I'll even out myself. I've, got, I've, got, I've been really, really pleased with the Amazon reviews. Got one guy who's like, this sucks. He's apologizing too much. And, you know, it's kind of like, let's roll it back to the 1950s. So, yeah, yeah we contend with that in this work. And... Um, all we can do is serve just like you are, you know, all we can do is serve with, with, with our vision of what relationship can be. Yeah. Um, I appreciate so, that. Um, I'll pause yeah. there real quick. Yeah, me. real quick. But, and then I'd love to come back to that point of yeah. where is the middle ground and, and how do I don't want to ask too many questions and then, then go like, ignore those, tell us who you are and, yeah. and how do we navigate that middle ground? Because I know so many guys who are getting information from both the male apologists and a collective culture that's not really that jazzed on the, even the word a man leading in relationship. Yep. And the other end, which is just 
someone broke my heart and I'm pissed and I hate women and I haven't done that work. So I'm now a dominant. Yes. Right? Like- <laughs> <laughs> nice. You hit it on the head. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. This is exactly what the whole book is about. A blueprint for masculine power that, mm-hmm. that works in the real world. And is, in my opinion, is not an apologist and we'll get to that. But sure. so for me, you know, I, I get asked the same question all the time. You know, why do you do what you do? And I say, mm-hmm. well, Failure has been my motivation. I was in a marriage, you know, that ended over 10 years ago and it crashed and burned pretty hard and it was pretty painful. And I knew there had to be a better way. I was married to a strong woman. I did not feel in my own power. You know, the, the, the power that I felt at work, I would come home and it just, it felt like I would just lose it. And I, I have only myself to blame for that. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew there had to be a better way. So after, after the end of that relationship, I both got into men's work. And I also a little bit later started a relationship with a woman who's very feminine and very powerful and had done a ton of David data work. Mm -hmm. And so that was, it was an immediate uh, point of connection between us ended up being a, you know, getting on nine years now of, of daily practice, quite frankly. Good for you, brother. And um, as I went deeper in the men's work, as I learned from the masters, David, you know, other guys who are my teachers, John Wineland, and then started to codify my own views on things. And eventually that turned into a lot of notes that eventually turned into a book, probably similar to your experience in writing your book as well. Right. It just kind of comes together over time. Yeah. And I just, I want to help men make, not make the mistakes that I did. I want to help men learn from what I learned along the way. And uh, honestly, most importantly, I want to help any kids out there who are, who are part of those families that could be falling apart and they have to sit down with daddy and mommy and mm. hear that daddy and mommy aren't staying together. Like I remember that in my own life. And, you know, if I can help some kids avoid that, I'll feel yeah. very satisfied. Bless you. I mean that I'm not a religious person, but bless you because this is, this is real mental health work. Yeah. Right. Cause those kids grow so up true. and they have challenges and I'm not poo pooing divorce. I get it happens. But so often when I look at divorce, I'm so curious of what if you guys each just learned a different path? What if you learned a new, a new way of communicating? Yes. What if you just learned different skills? Is it that or were you just the wrong people? And, and so I really appreciate you bringing this and especially bringing it to men because you nailed it. Most of us show up to relationship with very little skill. Yeah. We have skill in every other area right? Like I've paid tens of thousands of dollars to have guys teach me how to choke people and defend chokes. Yet, if you were like, how much did you spend on relationship before you got married? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I read men are from Mars. Women are from Venus, like (laughs) half heartedly. Uh, (laughs) So thank you. If we could swing back to the original, how does a guy who's trying to navigate this sort through the extremes? How do you sort through the extremes? Anybody who's saying it's the other person's problem is probably not speaking a truth you want to follow. So, you know, the alpha males are like, I'm doing this and, you know, women are out to get us and we're not going to stand for that. You know, anything like that. It has that kind of, you feel the anger undertones. I mean, there's some pretty well-known authors out there. I don't want to say it here, quite frankly, but some well-known authors out there that the the undertone of everything they say is, wow, women really hurt me earlier in life and I'm never going to put up with that again. Mm -hmm. And you can just feel it and it doesn't feel good to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I can tell you it does not feel good from the feminine side. Mm. 
you know? So when you meet that amazing feminine woman and you want to court her, like that's not going to feel good to her nervous system. Then there's the, as we said before, the male apologists, you know, right. and they wear their hearts on their sleeve and they're going to out evolve you. And it's just, honestly, those guys, those guys aren't attractive to, mm -hmm. to powerful, strong, high worth women. Right. Um, because that gets old after a while. You know, all I did, Traver, was just come up with what I thought was um, the template for a man to be in his power and successfully operate in the modern world. And that's what the three-part blueprint is that I referred to earlier. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, we can dig into that if, if, if you'd like. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I'd I love think to it's the heart it. of the matter. Yeah, I'd love to yeah. hear more about that, please. Okay. Three-part blueprint. My contention is that is that a man who trains in these elements of the blueprint, who takes them on and manifests them, will feel more masculine to the men and women around him. Mm. You know, he'll be a better leader at work. He'll be a better partner in relationship. And quite frankly, he'll be a better father too. Mm -hmm. So the three-part blueprint is, is element one is respond versus react. So this is the quality of a man who's got uh, stillness as part of his way of being. He's got a groundedness to him. And he, it feels like he chooses how he operates from moment to moment, as opposed to, you know, somebody who's just sort of reactive and anxiety ridden. And, and you know, you, I mean, you know, guys like this, I mean, you occur to me as a guy like this as well. Mm -hmm. Just that stillness, that groundedness. So that's one that's going to feel good to the feminine nervous system. When you're jacked up, that transmits to her nervous system. And it's not good when that happens. Mm -hmm. When you're grounded, that transmits to her and, and she just feels like, I just feel good around this guy. I feel calm around this guy. My, I, it's not mental. It's down here in the nervous system. Right. That's generally going to open a woman up to you, whether you're meeting her for the first time or you're in relationship with her all the time or already. So that's element one, respond versus react. And um, in the book, there's a, there's a set of three chapters uh, in this area. And, you know, we talk about threat. Threat is a core theme. So going into a state of threat, anxiety arises, that's when your non-masculine behaviors come out. So mm -hmm. I go deep into that dynamic. And I, to me, the, pretty much all your non-masculine behaviors can be traced back to you, you've gone into some form of a threat state or anxiety is arising and your behaviors are trying to make the anxiety go away. Like, so if you're talking too much, if you're collapsing, giving in, if you're getting all bowed up and defensive, those are all just ways to make the anxiety stop. So I go into that a lot. I talk about emotions. You know, we all know that men aren't always in touch with their emotions. Mm -hmm. I have a whole chapter on it. I'm, I try not to be, to say the same old things that we've heard for years about men. I tried to take a, uh, at least a, what I thought was a unique take on things. And then most importantly, the third chapter in that section is embodiment. And this is a, mm -hmm. this is me making the case that a daily embodiment practice is really the number one thing you can do to kind of ground and settle your nervous system. And so whether that's you know embodiment practices per se, or even just martial arts um, to some degree, mm -hmm. um, I think that's that's extremely extremely important. So, mm -hmm. putting all a bow around all that, that's element one: respond okay. versus react. And I'll just pause there because I know I talked yeah. a lot. But, uh, I'd love to just for the guy who's listening to this and is like, "Cool, what does embodiment mean?" Yeah, I'm new to this. I I don't I haven't picked up a book. Like first of all. How do I, what's the, how, how do I respond when I'm getting yelled at, or I feel like I'm attacked and, yeah. and, and, and two, what does embodiment mean? Yeah. Cause I get, I get it. So many guys are like, 
how do I think my way into embodiment? Yeah. Right. yeah <laughs> and I feel for him because I remember, I remember the first time I read where the superior man in my marriage, I said, this is dumb. I don't get any of it. I just yeah. like, I have no fucking idea what this guy's talking about. Yep. And then during my divorce, probably read it 15, 16 times and was like, Oh, yeah. But let's start with, with respond first. How does a guy who feels threatened keep himself in a state of response and not a, not a state of reaction? Yeah. Okay. And, and a guy who's in, he's maybe he's in front of his woman and she's super upset. I think that's sure. Okay. So we'll yeah. talk about the first half of that. The second half will be a later part in the blueprint. Sure. But that first half, you know, First and foremost, is, as I said before, it's, it's that daily embodiment practice. So I'm, it's just kind of speaking to your question about what mm-hmm. is embodiment. Yeah. And, you know, you're in front of your woman. She's, rah, 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 which is, you know, it's common for most of us. It just right. happens. And, you know, usually we're in our head like, oh, I'm in trouble. Even if you're not mm-hmm. consciously thinking it, you're subconsciously thinking that. Mm-hmm. You were thinking, you start to go into the blame, which is another mental activity of like, God, she's being such a fucking bitch. Mm-hmm. You know, and you, and you start to, you have a story that she's being X, Y, or Z, which is usually cranky or irritable or mm-hmm. unreasonable or crazy or, yeah. Yeah. And so these are all, those are all mental activities. Those are stories in our head that are, trying to stop the anxiety that is has arisen within us and that anxiety has arisen because she's upset and we're worried we're going to lose love Ooh, really can you say say one more sentence about that for some is it that she's going to leave is it that is it like an abandonment wound or is it simply for a guy who's not really versed in the idea of like i'm going to lose love can you just say one more sentence it's it's not binary you know there's a gradation and a spectrum of, of abandonment wounds. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the worst part is like, you're really, really, really convinced that she's going to literally leave you. But even right. before that, and it's not cognitive, it's more about just intensity. Even before that, it's just any kind of disapproval of a woman tends to really disturb guys. Mm. So even if you don't, you're not like going to the point where she's going to leave, like she's disappointed in me. And therefore I feel less competent you know that's usually what it comes down to if you read sam i have a a reference to sam keen in the book and you know sam keen is a brilliant author everybody should read fire in the belly Mm -hmm. um but he talks about the way that we see you know we're, we're raised by the mother and the mother is everything so when we get into relationship with a woman like almost we see ourselves in the, in the eyes of the mother through our partner. And so it's a, her disapproval is a really primal thing for most guys, even if they don't mentally know it, right. it just sucks when your woman's disgusted with you. It just, it sucks. Like, right, I don't, right, right. I don't, I, need I don't like it either. <laughs> yeah. And it has a power over this, that getting criticized at work wouldn't take you to the same place. Right. You know, it's just, it's just different. Your intimate female partner, there's, it's down at the biology level there, that disapproval. Mm-hmm. So when she's going back to the scenario, when she's mad and, you know, my, my woman gets that, I call it the forehead. She gets her forehead wrinkled up and it looks like she's really disgusted with me. <laughs> and that's so the end. So we start to feel like we're going to lose love or approval. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't tolerate her dissatisfaction. So the anxiety arises so what comes next? So here's the anxiety kind of I'm like, and I don't like it. So I'm going to blame. Mm. Oh, it's her fault. Right. I'm good. I'm going to withdraw. I got to get away to make this anxiety stop. Mm. I'm going to defend if I change, if I convince her of the facts, it'll make this anxiety go away. 
like those are three dysfunctional responses that a lot of men do. Right. The trick is before you get to the response, you got to stop this shaky thing that arises within you. And that's where embodiment comes in. Okay. So in, so in embodiment practices, basically here's what it comes down to. You are creating physical sensation in the creating or noticing physical sensation in the body, choosing to turn your attention to it and then training yourself to keep that attention on the physical in the body. So you can generate sensation through breath. You can generate it through movement. You can generate it through a whole lot of things like jumping into a mountain stream. And then you learn to have your attention on that. And so a lot of the exercises I do, of course, involve breath, but they also involve like feeling your weight on the ground beneath you. Mm -hmm. So if I'm, to, I'll just play act here a little bit, but you know, I'm looking at you and, and I'll pretend you're my partner and sure. you know, like how could you, I'm starting to freak out. Yeah. I'm now so I just say, Oh, you know what? <clears throat> I'm going to remember my breath. Mm. Now I feel my belly stretch. That's a sensation. I'm going to remember the ground under my feet. I mean, literally I'm all my attention right now is on my feet. And then I come back to you, my partner, you don't seem as scary mm. because I've trained myself over time to turn my attention where I want it to go, which is a very masculine quality to turn your attention where you want it to go. That's really core to, to the embodiment that I teach men. So you can do that in the moment. You're in a fight with your woman. I say, remember my feet. I say it to myself, remember my feet, remember my breath. Mm. I can feel them. Okay. Everything seems a little less jacked up right now. That's usually how it works out. So that's embodiment, or at least my yeah. best few minute explanation of it. No, it's super helpful because I think what happens with a lot of men is they ha they f they have the reaction, so they feel the intensity, they react back to it. The reaction isn't what they want. The reaction creates a cascade of more disapproval yeah. or more anger, and then five minutes later, you really have no idea what you're actually arguing about, but the the heat and the intensity have gotten so much point to a point where there's like a breaking point where it's like, then the scream happens, then the punch of the wall, then the throwing, then the, the slamming the door. And then they feel like shit. And then there's this guilt and cascade yeah. system that kicks in. Yeah. Just one of my favorite things that I've heard of yours is the simply the word ouch. <laughs> yeah. I would love if, and I found this to be so powerful personally and shared it with other men who said, wow, that's super powerful. Cause you get to, would you mind diving into that a little bit and, and the use of it and why it is powerful? Yeah. The, the, you know, let's say our women's ups, our woman is upset with us and she, you know, like sometimes they get a little toxic. Even the most loving woman can get a little toxic at some point. Mm -hmm. And she, she might throw a little barb in there. That's pretty hurtful. And she knows how to, she knows how to push your buttons, you know, like they've been with us long enough. And sometimes they do it at, as an accident. Other times they do it because you're not feeling their pain. So she's sure as hell going to give you your own pain to feel. Okay. So those hurts happen. And then, then if you kind of get all butt hurt and then react from that place, it doesn't feel powerful to them. Mm. And it doesn't have them feel hurt, heard in their original hurt. Mm. And it just, it's, it comes off as a little whiny, like either you can't talk to me like that, or why do you, you know, just some whiny response that you might have. Sure. To me, the most powerful way to let a woman know, 
you can go two routes here. When a woman oversteps in, in saying something hurtful and oversteps a really maybe a well understood boundary of, of sure, just courtesy, sure. you can either have a hard boundary. So it could sound like, nope, baby, we're not going to talk to each other like that. Mm -hmm. It's not going to work if we do that. Okay, are we good? All right, keep going. So you can set a boundary mm -hmm. and you could see that boundary didn't, wasn't like, you can't talk to me like that. Like, right. it feels kind of weak. So it's like, nope. I'm right here, baby. I love you. And we're not going to talk to each other like that. Mm -hmm. But you can go even simpler, I think. And this actually conveys a little bit more emotional content. And given that most fights come because the woman's feeling a lack of emotional connection, this is where it gets to be effective. And it's just, it's, it's as you said, it's the one word. It's like, baby, ouch. And in that one word, you, you kind of put it all back on her shoulders really skillfully that she is no longer playing in a way that supports the emotional connection that she desires in that relationship. Ooh, and even with that one that word. One more time, because I think that's so brilliant. Would you yeah. mind saying that one more time? What I was saying was, even with that one word, you are taking this, this, this whole little situation around just the hurtful thing she said, and you're putting it back on her shoulders and in a way that is gonna help her see that the way she's acting is not supporting the emotional connection that she craves and that she's being self-destructive in that. Mm -hmm. And it, you do it in a way that's emotionally connected. It's loving. It's also pretty damn masculine, if you ask me, because it's like, just, it's not a lot of histrionics and drama. It's boom, mm -hmm. baby, ouch. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. And she knows, she understands, this, unless she's pretty jacked up, she's going to immediately, or at least in a moment, she's going to understand that that was probably mm -hmm. not cool. Yeah. 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 Just how do you help guys sort of draw the line? I'm going to try to ask this question in a skillful way. Mm -hmm. Draw the line between, hey, that really fucked me up what you just said, but like I'm this stoic, masculine, I'm skillful man, so nothing affects me and yeah. the collapse. Like where, where's the, it's, it's almost like I'm searching for where's yes. the line of authenticity? It's of a like, very, to me, there's a very simple distinction to make. Okay. Because what you're talking about is, is sharing an emotion. In this case, I think the emotion is kind of hurt. It yeah. Could be other very. If you share in a in a way energetically that's clear that you need her to do something so you can feel okay, mm. that's needy. Mm -hmm. If you share in a way that you are just stating a fact and you don't need her to make you feel better. Now you do want her to not be blatantly hurtful, but sure, it, sure. but to recover from this current hurt. You, you, you can self-soothe. As a man, you can suffer in silence around that hurt a little bit, but not, it's not pure silence. It's, and then you can also express and just say, you know what, when you, when you complained about me not making enough money, that actually really hurt me. Because it made me think that you were, it made me feel uh, hurt that you think I'm less than, mm. period. Right. So that's two sentences. And I'm not, there's no, none of the words prompted her for a response. Mm -hmm. None of them said, you need to do this to make me feel better, whether implicitly or explicitly. And even in my eyes, I'm not going to convey, like, I say it, then I'm kind of waiting. You know, you can see my eyes. And I'm, of course, I'm exaggerating, but sure, sure, sure. You know, it's just, I'm right here. And I still might make eye contact, but in my eyes, I'm upright and able to soothe myself yeah and not you know like 
wait for her to say something conciliatory. So for me, that's the difference. That's the real distinction is you speak succinctly. You speak without needing her. Like really, you can't need her. She'll feel it energetically if you do. Speak succinctly, speak without needing a response and self-soothe. Mm-hmm. Like you can handle the hurt, but you're going to express it. Ouch, baby, that hurts. Okay. So that's the, Trevor, that's the, the distinction for me. I love it. I think it's super helpful. And I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate here with you and say, okay, I'm a guy and I want to know when is my woman responsible for her own behavior? And <laughs> am I enabling shitty behavior by not letting it affect me in front of her? Yeah. I guess question one. And then if I can dovetail that with question two, what do I do that I, now that I'm fucking pissed? What's the self-soothing? Like, do I say, hey, baby, I'm going to go take a walk. And then I'm like, I can't believe you should drive me fucking crazy. Yeah. Do I go do push-ups in the other room? Like, do I call my buddies? So yeah. part A and oh my God. part B, how yeah. do I discharge this hurt in a skillful I have, way? I have, I have a lot to say here. Okay, so please, go for it. Number one, an expression of your inner emotional state, an expression of the impact of her behavior on you in a way that I described. So that's number one. Um, number two is a boundary. I think I already modeled that, mm-hmm. um, could be a firmer boundary too, but boundaries are, are part of that as well. Taking a break, you know, you said, I'm just going to go walk around the block. Yeah, absolutely. You're mm-hmm. like, you know what? I feel myself about to, to blow up here. I'm going to go take a walk. I'll be back in 10 minutes mm-hmm. or I'll be back in 30 minutes. You, you, what's skillful here is to give a time container for, for you needing to step back. Yeah, I think you you get this. Because if you just say, I'm out of here or I'll be back, <clears throat> remember that there was some original hurt in her that came up. And so you don't want to necessarily lose track of that and make her feel like that's now open-ended. Mm-hmm. So you say, I'll be back in 30 minutes. And you create a container. So you're creating some structure around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these the, I think these are all different elements of how you might respond. The thing you don't want to do is be stoic. Mm. that's what i'm trying to do and it's kind of like on one hand i'm telling you to suffer in silence but on the other hand it's the emotional expression without the neediness Mm -hmm. so that i think that's the art of you sort of meshing those two together rather than being stoic like look my dad was stoic and quite frankly i grew up pretty stoic so i had to learn to express myself with my woman Mm -hmm. and oh man things go a lot better when i do You know, it's not about collapsing or giving in, or it's always my fault. It's not that at all. It's just emotional expression yeah, in skillful yeah. ways. And man, things go a lot better for me in conflict with yeah. her when I do that. Do you feel like stoicism has kind of interrupted the masculine emotional development? Because I see a ton of it out there in the world and even had a, uh, a trusted mentor at one point say, you're kind of fucking this up. You're going all stoic. I, I don't have emotion. I am the mountain. Like I am unfazable. And he's like, you have emotion. It's okay to have emotion. And I was like, yeah, I've done the work. I have no emotion. Yeah. I am How do mountain. guys enter? Cause a stoicism is so attractive. It to them, to two men, it seems like, and it feels like the reason it is, is because it lets us bypass it. It's like, I don't even have to feel this, right? Like emotion, pff, I, I've, I've evolved past emotions. Yes. I'm now stoic. Uh, how do guys who are grappling with like, wait a minute, I thought stoicism was good. It was like, there was a book from a long time ago that said I should follow it. Yeah. Why should I let go of that in the name of emotion? Well, it's, it's, um, 
it's a waypoint on the journey. Mm. So consider it like that. So if you're a guy, I don't mean you, but if you know you, the collective you, if you're a guy who's reactive and defensive and collapses and backs down, like stoicism is actually a great step forward, you know, when you're too, um, or if, yeah, so I'll leave it at that. So it's a good waypoint, but I, I think we've already, the answer is art is in what we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. So you start with that, but you have to, you have to, okay. So that's planting the grain, tilling the soil. You've got the soil ready. And now you've got to really start to plant the seeds of expressiveness. So through your, first get grounded. And so I think you evolve from stoicism, which is sort of the absence of freneticism. Mm -hmm. You evolve that into groundedness where now you become a little less clenched and present while you're, while you still. uh, And then through that soil, you know, the shoots of your newfound expressiveness, your masculine expressiveness start to come through. And so I think I think that's kind of the journey along which stoicism is a great waypoint. It's just not the end goal. And if it is, honestly, you're not going to be in a relationship that long. If you, if you want a juicy, exciting woman, like what guy doesn't want that? Right. It's just, you're going to have to be expressive to her because she's got to feel your inner state. Um, and they just die on the vine. Honestly, all these guys I work with, you know, at least half of them are in the later stages of being close to getting a divorce. And it's, it's, it's always the woman who's just, she's shut down. Mm-hmm. And that's the end goal of stoicism, guys. So if you, you know, if you want to stay married for 10 to 15 years and, and then get divorced, like stay stoic. Yeah, uh, I don't recommend it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've been through it. It yeah. sucks. Sucks. It's, it's awful. It's expensive. It's it's terrible. It's it's not my favorite thing, yeah, and, yeah. and yet I still have uh, on the weekly, uh, someone reaching out on Instagram saying, "Hey, I was you know I was in an early stage relationship. I showed shared some relation some emotion with a man in front of me, and he goes, "Hey, wait a minute, I don't do emotion," and I was like, "Get the fuck out of there as fast as possible." Yeah, that is just not a healthy human to be around. It's true. It's weak. I'm, I, let's say it. Men want to be strong. It's weak. Stoicism ultimately is weak. Ooh, relationship. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Why are we so damn afraid of emotion? Is it just cultural or are, or, are we harking back to like, it's also perhaps not in our nature to be, I don't know, hunting down a wildebeest and be like, you know what? I, I feel, I feel sad right now. I, I don't think I can go on. Yeah. Is, is it a mix of the two? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's a lot of things where it's both nature and nurture. Mm-hmm. So I do think it's biological for the just the reasons you gave. I think a lot of guys kind of get that analogy. And it's we watched our father. My father was a stoic. My father was a great man, and he was a stoic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was up to my mom to draw him out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's a mix of both. And there's just like there's for guys, there is an inherent like, oh, it's just so much more difficult to feel. I, I want to kind of. Mm-hmm. go to more of the platonic or the logical. And right. I, I still feel that. I mean, even though I'm deep in this work and have been for a long time, I still feel the siren song of not feeling. Ooh. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's a beautiful way. You no, know, it's, yeah. it's, it pulls on all of us, including me. Mm. And it doesn't create connection. Your mm-hmm. woman can't feel you. If she can't feel you, she's going to start to die on the vine. And that's where you get the behaviors. This is kind of a core message for me. Mm-hmm. That's where you start to get the behaviors of irritability, criticism, lack of interest in sex, you know, all the stuff that a lot of longtime married guys complain about, like 
Right. It's not natural. It comes from not her not feeling connected to you, not feeling seen by you and understood by you, not feeling your inner state. Like it's just cause and effect here. So mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's a common cause of a, of a very common outcome. Yeah. And I, I get, I get a lot of the frustration of men who are, why is it my responsibility to make her feel me? I put, I have a roof. We have a good job. I am not an alcoholic. I'm really good with the kids. And so I think that's almost the missing. It's like the next evolutionary piece for men is that that used to be okay. On some level, it, or it was like what was tolerated. And then over time, first of all, women be able to, or had the ability socially and, and culturally to have the roof, the, the, the money, the protect everything that, that they used to need from us. And are now saying, wait a minute, there's this whole underneath piece. Yeah. Can, would you mind sharing your thoughts on where is the line between leading and tyranny? Mm, let me make sure. I don't understand the question just yet. So sure. Maybe can you dial it in a little yeah, bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I'm in a I'm in a relationship right now, if, if I say, hey, here's where I see the vision going, here's where I'd love to see us three years from now. Here's even like, hey, I have a date for us Friday night. I picked a restaurant. I'd love for you to be ready at seven. It's going to be semi-casual. We'll go here after. The difference between that and you're going to do what I fucking tell you because I'm the man and I read this guy's book and he said that I'm supposed to be leading. <laughs> where where is the line? Because yeah. I think the challenge is I've even put this out uh, on social media. I remember doing a post saying I was with a bunch of guys. They're great fathers. They lead their families, yada, yada. And the flack underneath was like, oh, they lead? Interesting. Yeah. What does this mean? So they're dominant over. So their women don't. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. slow down. Well, let's, let's look at that. Um, and, and let's let's cut the women some slack. Even the ones that sort of got, all, got worked up on the, on sure. the feed there. There's so much historic pain. Mm. So anytime you, and you know this, we're just sort of stating the obvious, like anytime you mention lead, everybody gets all jacked up. And, you know, there's been a lot of historic pain. So I always, it always, I always remember that when I see those kind of reactions. And there there's was historic pain from a year ago. What's that? Right. There's historic pain from Trump being in office. Yeah. So exactly. When people hear historic pain, it's not just the 1950s and 1800s. Yeah. It's Maybe we what? should say historic and present pain. <laughs> yeah. 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 Please. But here, here's what I say. I have a very simple distinction that I had to actually clarify the other day on, on social media. Mm. It's not, you are not the leader. Mm. You are bringing leadership to the relationship. It's, and those two things are very different, you know, and you think of traditional organizations, there's one CEO, there's one general in charge of the, of the platoon, well, not a platoon, but a regiment. Sure. That's a different model. That's the leader. What I'm coaching, and I imagine you are really saying the same thing in your work. You, you need to bring leadership. Now that can coexist with her type of leadership too. And she can bring both masculine and feminine leadership. She can bring all that. And that's where the blueprint, I think, allows for all this. But I'm coaching men to bring leadership. And one of the ways that I do that is I, I call it clarity plus inclusion. It's very simply, baby, here's what I think we should do. How does that land for you? Mm. So you haven't made a decision. You haven't steamrolled her. You haven't cut her out. You've just, you've done some of the thinking to really codify a vision, which I'm going to use the word you use. Sure. And then you offer that and you include her. How does that mm. land for you? 
You know, mm. what are your needs there, baby? Let's let's turn this over. But you don't just show up and say, well, what should we do, baby? Like, that's the opposite of what I'm talking about. Right. You know, like, well, where do you want to go to dinner? Where do you want to go on vacation? How should we handle this incident with our child? Right. You're coming with something first. And that's that's part of your leadership. You're bringing some clarity and then you include her. Mm. And that's how I coach men to handle that. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I love it. Now I'm going to play counter argument just, just for funsies here. Why do I have to bring everything, GS? Like, what, what happened? Like, what about feminism? Aren't we 50 50 partners? I'm fucking exhausted. I went to work all day. Where's the have... quality thing? Yeah. This is, um... and I don't believe what I just said, just for everybody listening. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, though. Guys are like, why do I have to do all this? You know, they, they do one of two things. One is, as you said, you know, like, I, I, go to work all day. I'm busting my ass. You know, they, they, what they're doing is they're over identifying with the provider role. They're like, I'm a provider. I don't need to be an emotional partner. I don't need to do anything else. Here's the distinction. Here's, here's, here's the guys are like, why should I do that? Well, I'll, I'll say very simply why you should do it. If you kind of want to go have on everything like this, you're going to end up with a masculine partner. I don't mean a man. I mean, your, Mm -hmm. your your woman's just going to go into her masculine energy and you're going to be great you know, at best, you'll be great buds and great partners, Mm. kind of coexisting, co-parenting, doing all that. It's going to feel kind of flat. If you want your woman where she's playful, giggling, will surrender in bed, you know, and to your lead, to your inclusive lead, and who's just, who's going to be more in that delightful energy, which is feminine energy, then you've got to bring more leadership to the relationship. So you can be fine both ways, but I prefer the latter. I think you probably prefer the latter in a woman. Like I want some woman with some juice, man. She's playful. She giggles. She, she messes with me. Mm. Um, she's open to me. She, and you know, when they do that, they're less irritable. They're less critical. They're more forgiving, which is I'll take that. I need it. (laughs) (laughs) It's true uh all the hands raised right i love asking questions of guys and be like everybody put your fucking hand up (laughs) that was one of those questions yeah Yeah. so it's it's really she's going to be different she's going to be the woman you're actually wanting or maybe the one you she was when you met Mm. when you bring leadership to the relationship when you are grounded so i probably should just mention the blueprint in full so when you're grounded so you're not reacting to her she feels your solidity. That already settles her. Number two is uh, provide structure, which is clarity, structure, direction. Doesn't mean you're the only one providing it. It just means you're bringing yours. Right. And then th- three is create safety, mm. physical, financial, and emotional. So a guy that does those three things, his woman's going to be, as we said, less irritable, more open to sex, less critical. That's what every guy wants. So that's the reason you want to bring leadership to your relationship and not just say, why do I always have to be the one to make the first move or to do this or do that? And so Mm -hmm. that's what I tell men. I love it. Hey folks, hope you're loving this conversation with GS. I certainly did. If you are a man or if you know a man, I want to invite you to the uncivilized nation. Look, it is hard to be a guy right now, period. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Very soon, men are going to separate into two groups, men who are doing men's work, men who are in men's groups, men who are doing the work, and men who are not. 
And one group is going to continue to thrive and one group is going to get left behind. Do not be in the group that's being left behind. And guess what I'm doing with the nation? We are closing down registration for a couple months starting soon. This isn't some tactic. It's that me and Dave going back into the group and giving them all our energy as opposed to doing recruiting. Okay, so if you're interested in this, www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the nation. Get in there. Yeah, I tell men you don't have to. And you, you know what happens when you don't. And you can don the, the honor of leadership or you can fight the like, holy shit, why do I have to do everything idea of leadership? Yeah. Can you, let's just, I have two questions for you before I forget, I'm going to throw them out there. I would love to get a little more depth on your relationship with the word safety. And mm -hmm. for men listening to this, if we can take it a little bit below, but like, yeah, if some guy breaks into my house, I'll kick their ass. Of course she's safe. So if we could drop it down below there. And then part two, just so I don't forget, why is it such a habit or pattern of men who end up starting off in a leadership role, everything's going great. And then within a year or two, they're like beaten puppies in a relationship and they've done it to themselves. Yeah. It's not that their woman has become domineering or over dominant. It's just, they've slowly backed off. Yeah. So part, part A, can we talk about just safety to a little bit more depth? What does that mean to you? Uh, well, when I talk about safety, I talk about physical, financial, and emotional. So you mentioned physical already. And sure. I, I don't even, I mean, I don't need to mention that. You guys probably that. talk about it a lot in, in yeah. other podcasts. Uh, financial, it's not just, it's not about being rich. It's just about being able to provide and make sure the bottom doesn't drop out. And that, that you know, that has a whole range of manifestations up and down the line. But do you, you know, like I had a, I had a, a guy that was in a program with me and great guy, but he was wanting to be a filmmaker and a coach. Mm. He wasn't making any money from either of those things. And his mm. wife, who was a powerful woman, very powerful, was like, dude, what's your plan? You know, and they really suffered a lot because of that. And it was only until he finally kind of gave up the dream a little bit and started to do those things on the side while he had a regular gig that was making money. And then the relationship got a lot better. Uh, and so you can't be chasing dreams and not making you know, the money. Even if you're both making money, you know, you're not the only provider, mm. you know, you've got to still make responsible choices and responsible investment choices, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So that's financial. And at, in the financial, don't over-identify with the provider role like we talked about earlier. But really the, the one that is most important in my opinion, or maybe the least addressed is emotional safety. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, she trusts that when she has her expression, even if it's a bit messy, that you're not just gonna pull the ripcord because you can't handle it. Mm -hmm. And even if she's a little edgy, which they often are. Mm -hmm. um, so when you get defensive, when she's like saying, here's this thing you're doing, it's hurting me. And you're like, but, 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 but. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to change her mind. Sure. That's where she feels emotionally unsafe. So I have a, a whole chapter, chapter 14, on ways to handle your woman when she's upset. And they're all intended to create some level of safety. You know, and we can, we can go into that, but it's really, it's about that emotional safety. She's going to want to feel that she's heard, seen, understood, received all those things that make the feminine feel great. Mm. And when she doesn't, she starts to wither and eventually she'll leave. If not, if that goes unaddressed for a long time. And I, mm. I say that with confidence, she's going to leave unless she's super ass shut down. Yeah. When you, what are the two common ways that men make women feel uncomfortable?
I'm sorry, unsafe emotionally. Uh, defensiveness is number one, if you, if you ask me. Okay. And withdrawal is number two, kind of withdrawal, stonewalling. Mm. So the stonewalling is kind of like, I'm here, but I'm, 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 you know, the lights are on, but nobody's home. Okay. Withdrawal is, you know, maybe I storm out of the room or I just shut down and be like, don't talk to me until you've calmed down, you know, any way of just mm. kind of pulling out of the situation. Those are the two main ones that make women feel really emotionally unsafe. And why is defensiveness number one? Why is that so damaging to women? <laughs> um, because men tend to be pretty logical and we're very focused on the facts. So here's my explanation of, of defensiveness. She comes with emotion and we respond with information. Here's then, my chart and graph as to why what you feel is not smart or yeah, 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 or is irrelevant. Well, here's why it's so tempting. I mean, this is, this is, we're not just idiots all the time. <laughs> It's, it's, it's tempting because <laughs> some of us, it's, it's tempting because often she's got some fact in there twisted a little bit. You know, she's, she's sort of like a, a projection or a bad assumption or interpretation or the, sure. the facts are wrong, or you just had plain dumb luck. And so you're like, Oh, wow, wait a minute. She's mad, but she's got this fact wrong. So if I change that fact, she'll stop being mad at me. And that's the, that, and then we're like, okay, so here I go with my explanations. And then she just is like, uh, I feel chronically misunderstood and, and not seen and super painful for them. It's very painful for the feminine when we get defensive like that. And we stay at that, that, that rational level. And, um, right. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've got a video on my YouTube site uh, and my Instagram site, which goes through this. I had a great example of a couple I saw at a ski resort. It was perfect for this. Um, but that's why it's so tempting because we stay at that factual level. We think we can resolve it at that mm. and you just can't. Yeah. And then onto, if you could, like, why is the progression of relationship so, so much, so often the, the like numbing out of the polarity and almost the, not emasculating, but the, like the weak, why do men weaken? Why do we weaken ourselves? the longer we're in relationship? Well, there's lots of reasons. I, I'll give I, one common one that I see is the men try to lead and their woman's like, either was like, no, that's, you know, like, cause she's better at it in certain ways or in sexuality, he tried to kind of create the sexuality and maybe she wasn't feeling it one night, but he took it as rejection. So, and then, once we feel rejected once we kind of we, we shrink slightly and we come a little bit less strongly the next time and then if there's more rejection we suddenly we're shrinking and we're just like you know what i tried that and she just wouldn't follow my lead so i'm like mm. fuck it i'm not gonna i'm not gonna you know i, I know a guy who i mean he tried kind of to create the sexuality that he liked in the in the beginning year of the relationship they literally stopped having sex for 25 years Get the I fuck mean, out of here. I know pretty well because he's sort of family. Sure. Uh, they just stopped having sex. He just stopped trying. Does he, he stopped trying because he felt so hurt from the what he perceived as rejection on yeah. her. I mean, let's just think about it. You know, you you get cuddly with your woman and you're really feeling feeling it. And then she's just like, no. It feels like rejection to us. Of course, of course. We allow ourselves to take it like that. And and yeah. Some, a lot of men are fragile enough that a few of those, and they just stop trying. Sure. And then once they stop trying, you know, then it's, 
it's really down to her to initiate all the time, which she doesn't like. Right. So it's, it's usually like little rejections that snowball and then you just stop trying. I think that leads to that dynamic that you talked about. Brilliant. And so what would, what advice would you have for that friend of like, Hey, I get it. And not at the 26th year mark, but on at the end of year one where you're like, Hey, uh, I, you come to me and you've said you've tried six or seven different ways and you get shut down and now you're activated because you feel super rejected. What, what, how does that man start to right the ship? And well, may, I, may I ask, is one of the answers to pull the ripcord and say, hey, I'm not looking at 25 years of celibacy, I'm out. Yeah. I hope it's not that last one because okay. things can be so different if you mm. come with a different approach. Like it's what men don't realize. They have so much power to change their relationship just by changing their own way of being. Because ultimately most of her behavior is a reaction to our way of being anyway. Mm-hmm. So just change myself. And then suddenly she's different. <laughs> she doesn't even try. She just is. Right. So for the guy that the guy that um, maybe was is is not initiating sex anymore because he had some what felt like rejections. Mm-hmm. You know, number one, it's like, dude, we got to get your we got to get your skills up to snuff. Like, do you even know how to turn your woman on? Mm. You know, or do you just kind of go and grab for her vagina? You know, right away. And you're just you dude. You're just unskillful. <laughs> right. You know. So then I would teach the man seduction mm. uh, of his own wife, believe it or not. Sure. No, no. Talks about dating or pickup. I'm talking about of his own woman. Yeah. Um, and then just some, some basic skills about how to warm her up and some protocols of, of escalation, you know, like where he starts slowly with a back rub, you know, and mm. um, how to own his sexuality and not just like kind of reach over and see if she's horny, you know, but to own and be like, baby, I want you. Mm, I want you tonight, mm-hmm. you know, something where you're owning your sexuality. So it's really about getting his game up to snuff right. in the sexual arena. If it's somebody who's more just in the leadership of the relationship, you know, I teach them things like clarity plus inclusion. So mm-hmm. don't come with, with like no plan and then get all shut down over the years. Cause it seems like you're always doing it her way. So I would teach these guys how to really start to bring, find and bring their own clarity, mm-hmm. clarity plus inclusion. So it, the guy that swings the other way and is like, we're doing it this way. And she's like, fuck you, man. You know, where then he gets rejected and collapses. Right, 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 right. Teach him clarity plus inclusion. So he can still come with that like strong clarity, but he's, then he's setting it out for discussion and, and, and inclusion of her. So it's really, re, it's really giving them more skills to lead, whether in the bedroom or just, you know, in life outside of the bedroom. And that's usually what I'm doing with a lot of these guys, um, yeah. you know, among other things. It sounds like a lot of first, you got to work on yourself. Yes. And, and I think that's challenging for men to hear of, but wait a minute, she's the one who's not horny at night. What does this have to do with me? Right? Why, why am I having to focus on and yet, anybody who's been in this work for any amount of time realizes that that is 90% of the crux of it. And then I think it's also, I really appreciate you actually using the word skill that this isn't something that we all got pulled out in junior high or like, Hey, by the way, this is, this is the feminine being. You, you can't just reach over and grab for the vagina. I'd be like, Oh, where was that in eighth grade? I've been doing this wrong this whole time. <laughs> I remember early on when I was working with men, I asked a group of them, do you know what turns your partner on? Mm-hmm. And I got kind of the puppy dog turn sideways look. And, and one guy was like, yeah, she likes it when I finger her. And I was like, Oh, uh, 
thank you so much for that answer. That's that's I love I love you and appreciate you. And do you, do you know what turns your woman on? And he did the puppy dog like sideways look like, bro, I just told you. So can you, would you mind taking us one step back in the seduction cycle of, so wait a minute, it's not just about fingering her. Like what, what else is there, man? Like what, just like more making out? Like, can, can you dial us back even a step further than that for a minute? Yeah. I, I have a whole chapter on this called sexual leadership, chapter 13 mm. in the book. Um, and it, <sighs> There's, there's, there's these conditions that I think a man can put into place before the clothes come off, you yeah. know, and I think you've really got to start to pay attention to these. And, you know, I, one is foreplay throughout the day, you know, even just, um, well, actually, before I get to that, I'll start with before anything, it, heart connection. Mm. And I don't know if that sounds new agey or not to a lot of guys, um, but you, you've got to have a heart connection with her. And that really, it's not, it's actually not rocket science, you know. Does she feel seen by you? Does she feel emotionally safe? Does she feel understood? Have you made space for her emotions? Have you, are you tuned into how she's feeling? Have you owned your own emotional experience and expressed a little bit? Have you purged your your withholds, you know, that you might, that you might be feeling some resentment about? Like, if you do all that, if you clean up the emotional connection, she's mm -hmm. going to get about. I'll make a funny made up scientific fact. She's going to get sixty percent hornier. <laughs> I'm going to make that exactly. the title of the podcast. How to get your woman 60% hornier. Your 60% hornier. <laughs> You're welcome. It's going to be a big one, Trevor. Big. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, whatever the actual number is. Sure, sure, um, sure. It's like, that's the biggest part of it, quite frankly, where she, if she feels connected to you, she's going to be more sexually open. Then mm. now, once you've taken care of heart connection, mm -hmm. you know, I love foreplay throughout the day where I just might text her and I don't, I don't say explicit sexual things, but I, I kind of keep her mind on sensuality slash sexuality throughout the day. It's like, I can't wait to get my arms around you. Mm. I can't wait to taste your lips. Little things like that, where I sort of just keep sexuality on her mind. Um, in the moment, environment is really huge. So if you just kind of roll into the bedroom and your shit's over in the in the corner and and the windows open, so it's still kind of cold in the in the room, and you're like, "Let's go, baby," <laughs> you know, her feminine side that needs beauty in the space is not going to be settled. Mm. So getting the lighting right, getting the temperature right, getting the the you know candles and a little music. You know, I know it sounds pretty cliche, but that shit's important. So. Yeah. And it's your consciousness, your awareness. It's like, oh, I need to take care of this because it's gonna, it, it's gonna open her just that little bit. Mm -hmm. um, environment is is one of those things. Mm. Um, even simple things like timing. You know, being the master of time and space around sexuality. Let's say that, you know, maybe you've got an obligation later that night, but you want to be sexual, and she's like, no, no, baby, we don't have time. You know, you could be like, baby, I've set the phone timer for 25 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever it is you need when it goes off we'll get out of bed mm. and that works great wonders with my woman you know where she's just like okay he's got the timing handled so i can relax into that mm. versus her having to stay vigilant of like you know i gotta be ready by a certain time so right. it's even little things like timing that you wouldn't necessarily expect are part of this this realm of sexuality that do matter you know you're creating the container in which she can blossom into her full sexuality 
I'll pause there. I think I talked a no, lot. That's, that's beautiful. It's, it's super helpful because this is the stuff that, that actually men seek and, and don't really have, a, they can't go to their buddies and be yeah. like, so what are you guys doing? Right. Or it's, yeah. it's not as open of a conversation. If we can dive back into the bedroom quickly, what is the number one skill you would want a man to have prior to entering the bedroom that is applicable in the bedroom? Is it a basic understanding of like, do you know by bi basic biology? Do you know where things are? Is it how to control your own breathing? Is, is there anything like this that you could pass on to men listening to this to go, okay, here's starter kit 101. Yeah. Um, well, you asked for one thing, so it's making it tough. Okay. Three things. <laughs> I think number one is kissing. Hmm. Be a good kisser. And you can develop your kissing. I mean, I talk about it a little bit in the book. It's not intended to be like the primer on kissing, but sure. You can get better at kissing. And most women love kissing. I, yeah. I mean, I just say for the guys that don't believe me, just go ask 10 women. Yeah. And ask where does kissing rank on your you know, list of elements of sexuality? And I think they'll find it's higher than they expect. That's number one. Yeah. Esther Perel, I sorry if I jump in said something to the effect of the more attention you spend on the lips on her face, the more access you're going to have to the other lips. Yeah. And I remember sitting in a workshop being like, get the fuck out of here. No way. <laughs> Come on, Esther. But <laughs> okay. Dude. Every woman listening to this is just like, thank God you brought up the K word. Yeah, I know all the women are clapping and you're yeah. like, what? <laughs> this isn't junior high. We don't have to do that anymore. Right. Exactly. Just give me the, give me the goods, baby. <laughs> Um, strike that. <laughs> um, number two, I think is a, is a understanding of how to warm her up, which is I'm almost popping up a level because it kind of includes a lot of things, including kissing. Sure. But really understand how to warm a woman up and, and, and not just through maybe like a protocol, but then feeling her in the moment of how warm she is in any given moment. Mm. Um, Man, sometimes my woman takes a long time to, to get her like really into her full sexuality. And sometimes it's like that. I, I just, I can't tell going in. So I have to sense. So I, I, I have this phrase, sense and adjust, sense and adjust, you know, like you sense into her and adjust. But you have this, this, this feeling both of physically what turns her on and then how she turned on she is in any given moment. You have a sense of that, that ramp. Mm -hmm. uh, of turn on and, and you and you turn her on uh, as slowly as it takes mm -hmm. i'm gonna do more than three here traver i can't go on I'm, I'm just gonna sit back and, and learn and then there's there's the leadership there's the sexual leadership you know where it, it could be as simple as this of like we're standing in front of each other and I might reach down, take my left hand, reach down. I have her right wrist. I'm reaching across my body and I'll bring, you can't see my hand. And I just might slowly use that wrist to turn her around. Mm. And now she's facing the mirror or something, mm -hmm. you know, and then I might, uh, well, I'm trying not to go into like the mechanics, but I wanted her turned around. Mm -hmm. I had a sense for wanting something like, of leading the action. So I had a sense of what I wanted the action to be. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to turn her around and put her in front of the mirror so I could maybe unbutton her shirt or something. Mm -hmm. So I did that. 
I had a vision for what I wanted to happen in this moment. And I did it. I led her. Now, it's such a micro example. Sure. But it's that's right along the spectrum of domination. It's just <clears throat> we're at the first step of that, which is having an idea of what you want to happen and then leading her through that. So I turned her around and I might kind of wrap her up in my arms and, you know, bite her neck or nibble on her neck or breathe in her ear, you know, whatever. Right. I led in that little micro moment, I led, and then I have the next thing I want to do. And then I might also be open to where she wants to like jump on top or something. Sure. I'm not just like doing it my fucking way. Right, right, right. Um, but in general, I'm leading the action. And um, I actually learned a lot about this through tango, where I, I learned to tango for many years. Mm -hmm. Tango is, is a strong lead follow, but it's... It's not like, you know, you're in an embrace and I wanted to go this way. So I'm like, you right, know, right, right. women, we're going this way. That's a horrible tango lead. Mm -hmm. But what you entangle, what you do is you actually open up space and she is, she gets the signal to move through that open space. It's an invitation. Right, right. So that's what feels good in sexuality. Yeah. And so that's just one example of taking the lead. So going back to the list, you know, no. like taking leadership. Yeah not a forced leadership it's not a dictatorship right it's just at any given moment i know what i want and i'm moving her through it and i'm open to what she wants sure at the same time because i'm permeable i'm mm -hmm. sensing and adjusting um let me pause there i keep talking yeah, no, no, it's brilliant it's brilliant i view it as a series of invitations and then noticings of wow she fell right into that invitation yeah, or no she does. didn't okay and so then we're going to open up on a different different angle or a different side or a different flavor or a different texture. And wow, she fell right into that and is now that's working really well. And I think for one of the things that men sh will benefit from hearing is having both a, and I know this is going to sound obtuse, but like mm -hmm. a plan and a wide open mind that it can go completely different yeah. to that plan. But that. if you come in with nothing, then it's almost on the onus is almost on her. Yeah. And if you come in with a rigid plan, like we are not deviating from this plan, then you're going to have a great conversation and, and a very upset partner. Uh, <laughs> you're spot on. You are so spot on. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. In, in the last couple of minutes, before I get to where people can find you and all of this, yeah. and this is such a loaded question, brother, but I'm going to ask you anyway, other than getting your, their hands on your book, what is the one piece of advice you wish you didn't have to say to men? Is that the same as the, the one piece of advice I would give men to evolve? Or is it, is it a slightly different question? It just popped in my head. So I asked it that way. But if you want to position it as like the one, one piece of advice you would give to men. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm going to go back to the, like the why me question that you yeah. mentioned. Yeah. I'm going to give a phrase that I, I love it from the book. You may or may not be the problem but you are the solution. Oof. You may or may not be the problem, but you are the solution. To me, that is so empowering. It, it, to me, it obliterates this, this why me, whiny ass mm -hmm. voice in, your, in our heads. The victim like, you know what, why me? Because I'm called to lead this relationship. That's why I me. Mean. It's the same guy that charges the hill in the military. Mm -hmm. Like he chose to be in the Marines. Mm -hmm. And he's like, this is my, this is my calling, yep. you know, it's, 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 that's leadership, you know, even when it's hard. And so you may, may not be the, the, the cause of this like flare up, 
Mm. But you're not going to go into the like, you know, I'm going to pout and it's her fault. And why do I It'd be like, you know what? I don't know whose fucking fault this is. What I do know is that I love you and I want to, I want to reestablish connection or mm. with, with her. And I'm going to get bigger than this fight. I'm going to get bigger than her mood or her emotion in this moment, her trigger and wound from her own childhood and her own daddy. I'm bigger than all that. And I'm making that choice. It's not an obligation that's been thrown on me. And why me? It's like, no, I choose to do that. I choose to be that man that's bigger than all of that. Now, where do I want to take this? How can I lead us out of this dysfunction? And that's the, that's the mindset I wish men had. And it's hard as hard as hell to maintain in the moment i get it but so is charging up the hill and some guys do awesome i love it and i think it's fair to say it's empowering and it feels good it's yes it's work but it's like coming out of a workout you're like man i just busted my ass in there but i feel alive and there's i believe there's also a carryover to other areas of that man's life he will walk through the world differently when he's donned that mantle of like it's an honor to lead yeah. It is a fucking honor. I love it. It's bro. true. And then the flip side is, I mean, I'll just say it from my own life. Like when I go small, like it happens, you know, but when I play small, my woman obliterates me in, in terms of like this emotional discourse, mm-hmm. like, and when I, and she gets really difficult, like really difficult when I play big, it's crazy. Like, it's not like it's magic. So I'm not giving that impression, but when I play big and skillful, mm-hmm. she's a pussy cat. Mm-hmm. it's amazing amazing the difference between this this hurricane and pussycat <laughs> Somehow. and it often comes down to how i handle things quite frankly yeah it's it's i don't know it's a it's a life lesson i learn over and over for sure yeah I, I love it i appreciate you thank you so much for coming in for people who want your book especially and more of you where are you spending time or first where can they get the book and then where are you spending time right now yeah, the book's on Amazon, so you can find it there. And, and okay. for the million guys every month that ask me, yes, I will have an Audible version, hopefully by the end of the summer. Um, but Kindle and paperback now. Okay. Um, get, go to the website, gsyoungblood.com. Get on my waiting list, I mean, my uh, mailing list. And, okay. and then you get all the information on things. Uh, Instagram, gsyoungbloodmir, masculine in relationship. Uh, you can find a lot of great content there, including that video from the ski resort that I mentioned earlier. And a um, few things coming out, embodiment course coming out within weeks, you can pre-order it now. It's on the website. Um, got a deep study course that'll come out by the end of the summer. I've got Audible that'll come out by the end of the summer. And then probably sometime in the next couple of months, I have I will enroll for a dark energy workshop, dark sexual energy workshop, mm-hmm. where a lot of guys are in that nice guy energy they're wanting to cultivate a little bit of that darker energy mm-hmm. and it can absolutely be cultivated in pretty much any man. So I'm going to get a group together. So please sign up for the, for the waiting list on the website or, and uh, more to come on that in the next couple of months. Awesome. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your energy. And as a man and as a man who works with men, men, just thank you for the work you're doing with men. Yeah, you too, Trevor. I love what you're doing. That your book is awesome. Uh, your mission is awesome, and you you actually do a pretty good interview too. So, <laughs> thank you, brother. I look forward to doing this again with you sometime. Cheers, Hi, brother. This is Trevor Bohm signing off on another episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please give us a share, give us a five star rating on iTunes, and if you're interested in getting a hold of my book, Man Uncivilized, whether you're a man or a woman 
please go to www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the book and get reading.